Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Um, I'm doing my message today I've entitled Kingdom Birthing Class. This is, um, this is a kingdom birthing class today. Who's had a child and been to a birthing class? Who still needs a healing from the, no, from the birthing? No, from the birth. But if you're a parent, some of us have been to a kingdom birthing class, uh, and we learned some new things, and we learned some of the things that were going to happen. But uh, no one actually prepares you for after when they don't go to sleep, right? That's another story. You need, a, you, need a, you need a birthing class and then what to do when they won't sleep after class. So, but anyway, but today I'm going to talk about um, kingdom birthing because it's so important that we as, uh, you know, as people understand, and if you're a Christian, that you understand that we are called to be born again. We're not called to be religious. So Jesus never said you go to heaven by being religious, not one time. He never said you go to heaven by being in a denomination, by the way. He said there's only one way to salvation, and it's actually through being born again. So I'm going to talk about that so that you get the real deal. Because there's a whole lot of people on planet Earth who get something that looks like real Christianity, but in fact is not. It's like that leather handbag that you bought on holidays and they talked you into it that it was real and then you got home and found the maid in on the bottom and went hang on a minute this is supposed to be from Switzerland or Italy this is not Switzerland this is somewhere else so we're going to make sure that we get the real thing everybody and make sure that you're getting real Christianity because real Christianity will change your life and it will change your family it will change your children, and uh, it will change them. Now, listen, for good, for good. God wants to help us. Uh, one of the things I think that we need, you know, if I was going to put an extra chapter in the Bible, it would be on self-sabotage. If I was going to add a chapter, because the Lord wants to bless all of us, but so many people, wherever I go in the world, doing this for 40 years, every time God tries to do something in their life and in your life and in my life, we are so readily sabotaging it. I think if the Lord was going to add one, it would be that. Don't sabotage your life. And certainly, here's what so many Christians do. So many. They're sab- definitely, they don't sabotage going to church sometimes. Sometimes they do. Get offended. Listen, I get offended with me. If you go to anywhere where people are, you'll be offended. Get over it. Wherever you go you will be offended. I'm offended with myself. I get home from, from seeing somebody and say, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Am I crazy? And then I go, I'm offended with myself. <laughs> Forgive yourself and move on. Anyway, but um, yeah, so we need to, we need to really, um, what was I just saying? You've, made, you've thrown me off now. Self-sabotage, you've thrown me off. But I forgive you. So I forgive you, throwing me off. So self-sabotage, yeah. So some people get to where God says, now I'm going to take you from attending a service. You've been going to church for a while, and now I'm going to take you into your destiny through service. And at that point, we go and marry some crazy person. We go back to the club. We disappear from church. Da, 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 da. And then we, then we go, Lord, where are you? 
And he goes, well, I'm where I always was, in the house I planted you in, but you just sabotaged it again. Out of church, off with some wild person, over here, and we sabotage. Everybody, I always see an invisible sabotage button that the Lord reminds me, Jared, get your hand off that. Take your hand down. (laughs) Some of us, right, because I've met a lot of you after 40 years. Some of you, the Lord does something good. You're like, boom, sabotage in a, in a day. <laughs> I'm like, yesterday was a great day, break today. Then the next day, boom. I'm like, who's that, Sheila? And who's that? And why are you there? And who? Everybody, when it gets good, God's trying to heal you now. He's trying to save you. Take your hand off. And just go, Lord, I'm going to be here. Help me, Lord, to stabilize in your kingdom. Help me to stabilize in your house. And help me, Lord, to be teachable. Which that I start saying to people who've gone ahead of me. There's people who've walked decades ahead of you where you say, what should I be doing now? What should I be doing? But there's something in us, we want to do it all. That is foolish. Stand on the shoulders of people whose lives are in God's purpose. Say, how can I stand on your shoulders? Get around people who've got, you know, their marriage working. You know, no one's going to be perfect, but get around them. Get around people whose children smile about Jesus. (laughs) So how much have got kids? (laughs) Listen, usually that's because they've got parents who are... This is, you're getting this for free today. I know, it's amazing, amazing what you get for the price. Listen, you're going to help your grandchildren when you get around people and say, hey, can you help me let my walls down? Can you help me to stop sabotaging? Can you help me to stop coming up with everything independently in the kingdom? Because actually, I'm meant to be in the body of Christ. I'm meant to be in a body of Christ. I'm just a finger or a toe or an arm. I'm not, we're all parts of the body. Here's a revelation. You are not the body of Christ. <laughs> so we need the body. So I say all that to say, God births you into the kingdom, but don't sabotage it. Too, so many people are sabotaging it just at the point. How many people were about to break through in their Christian walk with the Lord and boom, sabotaged it? How many people was God about to heal their marriage, but they just left it because they knew better? Boom sabotage it. How many people was God about to promote in his kingdom? So I'm about to push you forward and promote you and use you. And we then, for whatever reason, temptation, or we know better, boom, sabotaged it. How many people were just about to break through as a Christian and I'm out of church for whatever reason, boom, sabotaged it. And then when you're older, because I'm older now, I've got all the older friends who are all like at prayer meetings, Lord, where are you? <laughs> and I rebuke the devil. And the Lord's in heaven with the angels and going, rebuke yourself. <laughs> devil didn't have to do nothing with you. He didn't have to do nothing. The devil went and sat on a chair and took a big cappuccino. Because <laughs> he, he knows that we just are, boom, sabotaging it. So when you're, listen to this, when you're valuing what Jesus has done in your life, you're very careful about what you do as a Christian. Listen, you're becoming even more careful. You're careful in front of your children. 
You're, if you, even if you're saying, I don't know what to do to bring my kids up as Christians, here's what you do. Here's, here's one idea in two seconds. Go to Kurong, get 10 Christian books that are age appropriate, read them to them, love them, and then pray over them. There's an answer. <laughs> There's an answer. But God has got, I'm down here now, 40 years down here. Woo! Started way back there. And I'm like, Lord, this is so good. Why do people wreck this? And the Lord's like, I know. It's like, why do they wreck it? Why do they wreck their calling? Why do they just become this church tender who's sporadic? And the Lord's like, I know. The enemy deceives them, and they never enter into fulfillment. They're always frustrated. But when push comes to shove, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh. So, kingdom birthing class. <laughs> You know, Jesus, right, was on earth. He's healing people. He's speaking. He's ministering to people. People's lives are being turned around. Prostitutes are being forgiven, being turned from complete addiction to immorality and pain and burnt. And then they're becoming, you know, Mary Magdalene becomes a beautiful disciple of Jesus, being healed and whole. And then you've got tax collectors stealing from the people. You've got everybody who's coming to Jesus. He says, he says these words, right? And he says it to you today, come follow me. Come follow me. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how Jesus says, come follow him? And we go, straight over there. He's like, hey, come follow me. <laughs> I've, honestly, can I just have an overshare for a minute? I feel sorry for the Lord. He has got his hands full with you and me. He's got his hands full. He's like, come follow me. I'm going to lead you and your children and your grandchildren to blessing. And the moment he calls us, we're off over here. <laughs> I don't know what's over there that everybody's going to. You got a lot of stuff you're going to. What is over there? When I get over there where these people go that don't need church, I get over to their life and I'm like, your life sucks over here. What are you doing? Anyway. <laughs> so... Jesus is calling everybody, everything's happening, and a religious guy who's in the highest level of religiosity, the Sanhedrin, he's one of the key Jewish leaders. He's religious, he's not a knee-jerk guy, he's not an emotional guy, he has very strong boundaries, he's very careful, he does not want to be seen by the people to be a weak Jewish leader, yet something in him, when he hears Jesus, when he sees his miracles, when he sees what's going on, something in him tells him, I have something missing. I have something missing. So in the night, he sneaks to Jesus, obviously not wanting anybody to see him. And in him, there is a teachability that is about to come out to Jesus. So his name's Nicodemus. And as I said, he is right up there in the top level of religious leaders. But he's coming to Jesus in the night going, you got something I haven't got. You have something I don't have. I'm as religious as you come. He's got status right across the Jewish community, which you could potentially lose by even going near Jesus. And the Bible says in John 3 that a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the ruling Jewish council, came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. He's saying, I'm seeing what's happening around you. I'm seeing the miracles happening. No one could do that. It's incredible. God is with you. And then Jesus says to him, 
Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Boom. And then Nicodemus says, how can someone be born when they're old? What? He's asking, surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answers again, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. We all had that when we were born. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Because the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everybody born of the Spirit. So Jesus says to this religious leader who's got a teachable heart, that everything's about him is about being seen to do what's right. And then Jesus says, you have to be born again. And he goes, and I'm not saying it once. Let me tell you again, you have to be born by the Spirit. And he says, the wind, hello, does the Bible say first the natural, then the spiritual? The Bible lets us experience the wind. I think it's actually to represent the Holy Spirit coming and blowing through people's lives. And he says, we don't know where the wind comes from. Jesus is saying, we don't know why some people, you don't know where the wind comes. Why, why is that happening there? Why is that happening there? It's because God sees the heart of every human. And when people open their heart, turn from their way of living and put their faith and trust in what Christ did on the cross, Jesus says, your dead heart, your dead spirit were brought alive. Your dead heart, your dead spirit will be brought alive by power. Listen, everybody, the Christian life is powerful. It's meant to be powerful. We're not meant to have a religious life. It's not, that is not the gospel. It's powerful. I remember I was in Bible college and there was a guy in the hospital. It was, it was an action to pee in hospital in Sydney. And uh, I'd worked in hospital doing management training. And now I was an intern in the Bible college. And, and uh, I went uh, to do being a wardsman for a while. And I had to give a couple of guys a face shave who had injuries and they were having an operation. And so they said, can you shave these young guys' faces? I'm like, yeah, sure. So part of my job, I go to this guy and say, give me the face shave. And then it was quite a long way from the wardsman station where I would work a couple of days a week while at Bible school. When I got back there, all the bells in the hospital went off and it was all going crazy. And, uh, and then the wardsmen were like, oh, we have to go. So me and two other guys had to run. And I realized I'm running through this hospital in Sydney and everywhere I'm running to is back to where I just come from. And I'm like, this is where I ran, this is where I just walked. This is where I just walked. This is and I'm running down this. And then when I get there, I go, which room is it? They go, 14. And I went, that's where I just was. I go into the room, and the guy has thrown, he's got a broken arm and a broken leg, and he's only in his 20s. He's picked up the bench, picked up the chair, and thrown it all across the room, and it's completely going crazy. And here's what he's saying. I'm just like, I just had my donut and coffee <laughs> after going back from getting face shaved. And he's yelling out, get me to the graveyard. Satan wants me out of here. He's got, he's got all demonic stuff, as the Bible said, operating. And he's like screaming, get me out of here. Anyway, and the two other wardsmen turn to me and go, what'd you do? <laughs> I still got half a donut hanging out my mouth. Uh, I, I eat my donut and drink a coffee, what? Anyway, I don't know what was happening. Anyway, well, then I realized what was in me, being born again by the Holy Spirit, who's in me is Jesus Christ. 
And the power of God, because I come from such a broken life, the breakthrough anointing that Jesus put in me touched that guy's heart, and now he was losing the plot. And all, to be honest, right, what the Bible talks about, demonic activity all came flowing out of him. Anyway, it turned into such a scene. And then I said to the person there, can I ring one of the pastors from our church, who was about 15 minutes away, and I said, let them come down before you do anything. Because it was in the day where they sectioned you. They would just send you off and you would be not seen again for a long time. So I said, can we, can I, anyway, I rang one of the pastors, they came down. And then the guy had it all said, he said, please help me. I got involved in things that were wrong. And now he said, I can feel the presence of evil trying to do something to me. But when you came in, something happened. And I was like, yeah, that's because I'm in Bible school. No, no. <laughs> Bible man. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, it had nothing to do with me, I'm telling you right now, because I was with my donut. That's all I was doing. But it was the Holy Spirit's power in me as a believer had impact, had unsettled what the enemy was trying to do. And the enemy, then the Spirit coming out of him said, I'm going to kill him. So the enemy was trying to destroy this young guy. Anyway, end up, end up, they let the pastor take him. We had, there was a retreat center in the Blue Mountains. They let him go up there, and the young guy gave his life to the Lord and began a whole healing journey. Which was, yeah, incredible. I know, really incredible. Mm. Super incredible. But it just, again, to me was like, oh my gosh, God's power's in me. Like, I didn't do anything. It had nothing to do with it. And so when you're born again, listen, everybody, you carry the presence of God, and you will upset spiritual realms, in actual fact. So, so anyway, so, so Nicodemus is reminding us all that the Holy that being born again, where does it come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit that blows into your life, blows into your heart. Who's, who's being born again for? Some people go, oh, yes, um, born again people. I know that's all the emotional type people, the emotional type Christians. <laughs> um, no, it's not everybody. Uh, and what the enemy tries to do is go, oh, yes, they're the Christians who are like happy, clappy. I'm always like, what do you want? miserable and non-clapping. Is that what we've got to get to for the media and for people to be, you happy in the media now? We're miserable and not clapping. Is that good? They go, yes, that's good. Don't be happy and clapping in church. Like, really? The stuff that goes on. Anyway, so, um, so it's a reminder, everybody, too, that many of us came in dead and non-emotional. I came into church and was dead emotionally. I came to church, there's no life in me. I never smiled. And I was just full of cynicism. So, and then the Holy Spirit coming into my life, suddenly I was starting to come alive. And uh, I was starting to come alive emotionally coming alive, spiritually coming alive, start to feel. And by the way, can I encourage you, buddy, don't pull away from people. It's far better to risk being alive and being burnt by somebody than to be numb and dead. I did that for years. Numb and dead has no value. So what you do is you risk coming alive. And actually being hurt by somebody kind of was good because I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm alive. I felt a bit upset about that. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm alive. That's good. <laughs> because when you're numb and dead, you don't care when people are hurting you on purpose. Well, when I actually came alive, I started to feel, oh, I think they were... Oh, that wasn't very good. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, coming alive. But the Bible says, lift up holy hands to the Lord. It's not to do, hey, we need a happy, clappy photo. <laughs> Why 
Why does the Bible say lift up holy hands? It's this sign of surrender to God. It's this surrendering individually. You know, I've been sitting in church for 40 years. I don't sit and think, I must lift my hands up to be happy, clappy, get a photo. I'm like, no, Jared, surrender to God. Open your heart to God. Open your heart to God. And, uh, and the other thing is, everybody, when you do open your heart to God, don't be surprised when there's challenge. I get, it's funny when people say to me, oh, that was a challenging message. I, every morning when I hear the Word of God, you know, when I hear the Word of God every morning, I'm putting on my Bible app, I'm hearing it. I don't ever hear the Word of God and think, well, that had no challenge. <laughs> every time I hear the Word of God, I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, Jared, play that again. Let's hear that again. And I'm like, well, Lord, you need to really work with me on that. <laughs> so let's hear that again. Because the Word of God is trying to free me and bring life. And all new truth for humans is always negatively received. Oh, I don't agree with that. Oh, I don't like that. That's the song and chorus of humanity. <laughs> so I had to say, Lord, help me to put all my I don't agree with on there. Lord, show me. Help me to see. Help me to understand. And so, but, the, but I, when I'm in the Word of God, it's always challenging me. Why? Because if you soften your heart, there will be a conviction even from God's love. Then I need to love a little more. I'll be in Psalms and it's all about love and suddenly I've got this conviction, love a little bit more. I'll be reading the Word of God and I'm, and, you know, and here we are. We've been involved in church for years on different continents, on starting churches. It's costly stuff and I will be there... Th- and I'm trying to get my heart soft, and I feel the Lord say, yeah, you need to give a little bit more there. He doesn't say, well, Jared, after all you've done, I've got chocolates arriving at 10 <laughs> for you and Sue, because I know she only likes Cadbury. Look, the Lord will bless us, and he does. But he's also reminding us there's a calling on your life, and there's more I've graced you for, um, which, as you lean into me, I'm going to let you do stuff that at times you think, how am I doing this? But I'm going to grace you, and then it's going to be powerful for other people. Listen, and then powerful for you. What you sow, you reap. What Sue and I have given has now impacted our children. So, so can I encourage everybody that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he did it all one time so that you could be saved, and he did it for all time. I grew up in a church where every week I'd go to church and my parents would take me to the Polish service and the Latin service and all this stuff. I used to be like, I'm English. I speak English anyway. But I'd go there and the, the minister would lift up the Eucharist of the service. It's the sacrifice of Jesus at the church. Now, around the world, there are churches, and I went to a religious school, where they, hundreds of thousands of people are employed to sacri- bring the sacrifice of the service, the Eucharist. And they lift it up. And these priests are employed to do that. Now listen, everybody. In the New Testament, take a note. There is not one sacrificing priest in the New Testament. Not one. And I grew up with that every weekend as a child, going where a human would offer up the sacrifice of the Eucharist of the Mass. And then I read the Bible. Here we go. Take a note. Look what Jesus has done. Hebrews 10, verse 10. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, 
the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day. Okay, day after day they're doing that. Offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as what? A single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Jesus offered himself once a single sacrifice for sins that is good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Oh my gosh, why are ministers doing the sacrifice of a mass and holding up a Eucharist and sacrificing Jesus again when the Bible says it was done once for all time when Jesus offered himself on the cross for all time, all sin, all men forever, forever. Gosh, humans love a good tradition. We love stuff we come up with. We love it. We come up with stuff and people will hold to it for generations. They'll hold it, yet it's not in the Scripture. The Bible tells us Jesus offered himself once, and in the Old Testament, when the priest offered himself up, he would sit down when the offering was accepted and uh, to mean it was completed and accepted by the Father. Jesus offered himself and then sat down at the right hand of the Father, meaning he offered himself once for you and me on the cross for all time. It's done, it's finished, it's complete, and the Father accepted it. But now we employ people around the world to offer Jesus up every week. Let me offer you up again. Let me offer you up again. Let me offer you up again. And the Bible says, what the heck are they doing? That's the Australian paraphrase. What, what are you doing? You can never take away sins. You can never do, or take away sins. Jesus isn't looking at some person who's in a church in south of Perth going, oh, you've offered Jesus up again. Oh, yes, I'll accept him now because you, Fred, the minister in the south, offered him up again. No, Jesus offered himself one time forever and was accepted by the Father. So you need to know that you can go straight to God because the Bible also says in 1 Timothy, everybody, by the way, you don't need to pray to anybody else. Just go to God. 1 Timothy 2, 5, right, I think. Listen, look what the Bible says. We've got to get away from tradition. The Bible actually says, and Jesus said, your traditions make the word of God naught. He said, your traditions make the word of God of no effect. And 1 Timothy says there's one mediator between God and men. Let me say it again. For there's one God and one mediator. What's the, what does mediator mean? It means middleman. There is one God and one middleman between God and men. Who is that? It is the man, Christ Jesus. So the Bible's saying between you and God is only one person you can go through, that's Jesus. But a lot of places around the world, a lot of churches will be praying to people who did stuff for God. <laughs> like you get made a saint uh, if you've done a certain list of miracles. Did you know that if you read the New Testament, when they wrote to the saints, it was actually not people who did lists of miracles that you noted. It was to believers in certain areas. Every, saints were the Christians. Now, Sue and I prayed for many people over 40 years, and a lot of them have got healed. A lot of people have got healed. We've seen lots of things. Every week here at church, we're seeing literally miraculous things. 
Sue and I had a very hard time having children. We prayed and asked God to help us. We believed that as we persevered and served the Lord when we couldn't have kids, and we made a decision if we never had kids, we'd love children somehow, and we'd bless children somehow, and we wouldn't get bitter with God, we'd bless the Lord and bless his house. Anyway, the Lord definitely anointed us, and we've seen a lot of people get pregnant who we've prayed for. Now, in some churches, we would be made saints, and I would have a gold halo around my head, which I think would be quite nice, actually. And, and I'd be on a picture frame... And, and, and then, at the end of my life, you would be looking for my bones under 10 Winton Road, which is this address here, because I'd be buried out the back here as this person who was used by God, and then you'd pray to me, and nothing would happen because I'd be dead. Anyway, <laughs> but people are going to people who God has used. Now, they may be very good-hearted people who God did use, Absolutely. And we bless people who God has used. But listen, you don't pray to them when the Bible says, no, there's no other middleman. You don't pray to anybody when the Bible says, no, no other middleman. That is stuff people came up with. And we need to respect those in ministry. The only gifts in the New Testament are apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists. There is no sacrificing priest, not one. But we have them all over the world. How funny are people? We always know better than God and his word. But the Bible says you make his word of no power. There's no power there. So guess what? When I had my sins, I went, hang on a minute. I don't need to go to anybody else. Because 1 John 1, 9 says if, you, if we confess our sins to God, listen, everybody who grew up religious like me, going through everybody else but Jesus. If we confess our sins to God, listen, 1 John 1, 9. If you're needing a tattoo, that's the one to get right on there. If we confess our sins to God, listen, he's faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. How good is God? Bingo. So I can go straight to God and say, Lord, sorry, God, please forgive me. I blew it today. Lord, I just ask that you please forgive me and wash away my sin. And God says, amen, I will, because of what Jesus did on the cross. And then God goes, hey, give me your hand. Get up. Let's go again. That's what God says to us when we fail everybody. He says, hey, give me a hand. Give me a sin. I say, Lord, I give you that. Sorry for that, Lord. And he goes, right, give me a hand. Let's get up. Let's go again. I love that about God. F.B. Meyer said, when we are born again, a new life, the life of God, is put into us by the Holy Spirit. But the old self-life, which is called in Scripture the flesh, is not taken away. The two may coexist in the same heart. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So the Bible is saying you're not going to be, lose your humanity you're still going to have to bring your humanity under God's word. I still have to daily say, Lord, let me bring my pride under you. Lord, I went to bed slightly humble. Now I've woken up this morning fully proud. Lord, help. Can I give you that? Lord, can I give you that sin? Can I give you that anger? Can I give you that offense? Lord, help me to give that to you. And all I do is give it to God and say, Lord, sorry for that. And then the Lord washes me, cleanses me, and I'm free. But why I'm in church and why I'm at prayer meetings and why I get around Christians is because I want my spirit man here. Half of us, we don't re- why are we so flat? Why are we so fleshy? Why aren't we excited about God? Why don't we love God? Why aren't we in our God's will? Why? Because you won't position yourself. You just continue to not position yourself. Every time God says, position yourself in God's house, position yourself around solid Christians, what we do is we go, no, I've got all cynical friends who don't like Christianity. I'll go with them. Boom, sabotage. <laughs> uh, God says, be in my house. Come to a prayer meeting. I'm going to let your spirit man rise. You're going to hear my voice. You're going to speak to me. We go, I'm not going to church or prayer meeting. Boom, sabotage. And then when you're 65, 
Lord, I just rebuked the devil. The Lord goes, I know you did. But you need to rebuke yourself. You cannot have what you don't change for. The Holy Spirit won't make me do something. He's working in me, but he's looking for my response. And my response brings freedom. Hello, my response brings breakthrough. Here's a thought too. For those of us who've had children, some babies are born quick, right? How did that baby get here? Just arrive, boom. Other babies take 24 hours, like our first son, Sean, for those who know Sean in Melbourne, six foot five. And he's born, and it just went forever, his birth. And the doctor let Sue be in labor naturally. And I told the first service this morning, when I said to our obstetrician, who's a South African doctor, what are you South Africans like? Anyway, he, I said, what's happening? This is at the 17-hour mark. What's going on? I'm like losing my mind. I've got the gas out. Who's got, the, you know, the way the gas? <laughs> Sue's like, what are you doing? I'm going, I've got the gas. Anyway, so I go to the doctor. What's happening? He says, your child is a monster. South Africans, people. I go, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? I'm losing my mind. Does it, is, he, what's, is he weird? What is it? What is it? <laughs> he goes, no, he's so big. Your wife hasn't been able to birth him. So now I've got to do something else. I'm like, well, hurry up and do it. <sighs> and then after Sue had given birth and we had Sean's there and I thought, thank goodness I was here. Gee, I brought that help to this situation. <laughs> I was good helping Sue. <laughs> And then we got up to the ward later, and I remember Sue in the ward, because I was thinking, you know how we couldn't have kids. I thought, well, there's a reason why not to have any more. We'll have one. And I'm thinking, I'm going to tell Sue, that's it. We're never doing that again. And, we, and Sue gets Sean, and she goes to me, I could do it all, all again. I'm like, I need a doctor. This woman is mental. She's ment- mentally unstable after this birthing. And Sue goes, no, I can do it again. I'll have one more. And I realized, you know, in line with us being born again, Listen, my boys never paid the cost to be here. I never paid the cost for the boys to be here. Sue paid the cost. Mothers, you paid the cost. So people could be born on earth, right? There's nothing you can do that will win your spiritual birth. You don't pay the cost for your spiritual birth. Jesus did. In the same way all the mums here paid the cost to carry and then birth, Jesus paid the cost for you to be born again. He's paid the cost for your birth. There's nothing that you can do. And the good news is I watched Sue forget the pain of all she went through having Sean naturally for 24 hours, six foot five football playing Sean. But she forgot the pain. Guess what? Jesus went through all the pain because he saw you. Everybody, Jesus went through all the pain of the cross of Calvary. Listen, because he saw you. That's why he took it. That's why he took the suffering and the persecution and the beating and the whipping and the people turning against him for loving you. And Jesus says, I'll take it so you can be birthed into my kingdom. Did you get that? How good is God? He took the pain so you could be born again. He paid the price. You know, last couple of thoughts, everybody. You know you've been born again by Jesus because it's just like when a baby starts to see. You watch a newborn baby, I watch my grandsons, they start seeing light and colors and they start seeing movements and shadows. When you're born again, you start seeing things you didn't see before. You're like, oh my gosh, I can see that now. 
I can see why Pastor Spencer says that. I can see why Pastor Jordan talked about that. I can see why that. I can see that. I can see why some people say, slow down. Because now I know the Holy Spirit showing me, be wise, be slow, put a boundary in. Don't race off the edge. The things that I used to do so easily. You know how sin, you know how you just sin and do your own thing so easily? <laughs> oh, you're all going poor, Pastor Jared. I do have some friends here. Anyway, but I'd go off easily to sin and do my thing. And then suddenly I'd hear in my heart, don't go there. Come over here. I'd be like, why do I feel like not doing that and going over here? God was telling me, leave that. That's been killing you. That's been hurting you. And this is going to bring you life. Come to life. Come to my purpose. And I'm like, I don't want, and now I don't want to go over there. And then people who were cynical and cynical in life and had small lives and didn't care about God and don't care about me and don't care about people. They just kind of want to hang out because they want to hang out with someone and I'm around. Now I'm suddenly like, I, I want to be with people who are going for God. I, and I actually want to get around guys who actually care about their children more than they care about themselves. I need some friends like that. And I need to get around people who love Jesus. And, and I've, why am I doing this? Holy Spirit's drawing me to do it. I can easily run to sin, but I can feel the pull of heaven pulling me to destiny. Everybody go with the pull of destiny. What was literature before a Bible? I'm reading it like an old history book. Suddenly, I'm reading a book that's alive and somehow this book knows me. I'm listening to the Bible, I'm reading it, and I'm like, this was a piece of literature, and now this book, it knows me. Why does this book know me? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the pages of it. The Bible didn't touch my heart, but now it does. When you're born again, the book that didn't touch your heart is now touching your heart. You now know you've been born again. You'd come to a church, and they'd be singing, and they'd be clapping, and, people, and you're like, it's, oh, yeah, singing along songs. Yeah, I like a nice song. And then suddenly you get born again and you're like, hang on, this is worship to God. I, I can feel Him. I can feel His presence. I can feel these singers. These songs are not about them. This song is about God. I can feel it. And I can feel being drawn to worship God and to sing to God. What's doing that? I've been born again. The worship did, didn't touch your heart, now it does. Your mind is now spiritually illuminated. You're now thinking and seeing things, and it's so different. Listen, here's how you really know. Last two thoughts. Your love gets reordered. You just, here's what I loved before. My opinion, <laughs> that was number one love. Whatever I thought, I was in love with that. My opinion, then what did I love next? Uh, sin. What I, in all its forms. <laughs> what else? I just like a bit of rebellion. I like just, you know. And suddenly, my love's being reordered, and now it's God. And then it was about my friends, and then it became about soon my wife, and then my children, and then it became about, it became about you. I started loving you. God's people. God's church. And I'm like, I'm not going to be no loving these people at the church thing. I'm just going to go there. What's going to go to this thing? I'm not. And the more I was just spending time in God's Word, and then and I'm in the worship, and I turn around and see you all, and then I'm like feeling love for you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, what is this? Yuck feeling. I'm starting to love all the people at the church. Why? Because Jesus lived in me. 
So I started loving you. Because Jesus loves you. He loves his body. He loves his children. And now I'm loving you. And even when you all offended me, which you did. Not here. This is 40 years. I'm talking, you're just, I'm, I'm talking, you're, you're just the representation of 40 years of generally offensive Christians to my sensitivities. To my sensitivities. And even when you offended me, I stopped saying, I'm leaving church now. I'm leaving. I'm not doing Christian people. They're all the same. Hypocrites. I stopped saying that and started saying, Lord, help me to forgive them as you've forgiven me. And the Lord reminded me, Jared, be in church with the hypocrites for a while rather than be in eternity with them forever. Good idea, Lord. Good idea. Whenever you see people say hypocrites, always go like this. Everybody has areas in their life that they are hypocritical in. So we need to say, Lord, my love gets reordered. Your priorities get reordered. God moves from, hey, it's Easter. Time to go to that church again. Hey, it's Christmas. I might make it to church. You're, if you're born again, this is why you got to get this. Because otherwise you can do this religious thing that looks like the leather handbag, and it is not. It is not the real deal. Because what happens is your priorities change. Soon I, our priorities were changing. We're like, we're gonna, we didn't go to Auntie Betty's anymore if she put her dinner on when church was on. Because we had to be at God's house. Auntie Betty, we'll get there, but it's going to be like two. Hey, God comes first. Church comes first. We need to put Jesus first. We changed things, even the job I took, rather than go, hey, they offered me 40 grand more. I'm going to take the job. We went, Lord, is this job from you? Lord, do you want us to take this job? If it's not from you, Lord, we don't want a bar of it. I couldn't care less if it's $400,000, Lord. Lord, where is the house and the people that you love, you want us to serve and sacrifice for? Where are they, Lord? And the Lord would say, Jared and Sue, go to London, start a church. Jared and Sue, serve Zambia now. Go to Germany, serve them. Go to Melbourne, serve them. Go to Perth. The best people are in Perth. Thank you, Lord. You know what you're doing. Go to Perth. Go and love them. Not one time do we do a financial resume with the Lord or with the board. Hey, what's the financial deal here? <laughs> and we never once said, we're doing this. And then later said to people, oh, and then we asked the Lord and he was good with what we came up with. How many Christians, uh, they do their thing and then, oh, that's right. And I asked the Lord after I'd done this and got a job over here. You're like, yeah, whatever. Ask the Lord before and start with, where do I sacrifice, Lord? Where is the house that you planted me in? Hello, you're planted here. But just remember this. This is how you end up in the will of God. Most people end up out of the will of God because the devil knows he can get you on 7,000 bucks more a year. He can get your children and grandchildren out of their destiny for 10 grand. <laughs> devil, devil looks at you, how can I get your grandchildren out of into no destiny? And the devil goes to the demons, about 10 grand with him or her. Up them 10 grand, they'll move. Lord had to get me saved, right? Because now I get it. Listen, because I've been born again. This is not natural what I'm telling you. It's because I got born again. Everybody, get born again. Get the real deal. God's got a miracle for you. Can somebody say amen? Be upstanding. Be upstanding. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Come on, give the Lord a hand. That's great. Give the Lord a hand.
Don't miss God's call because the devil figured he can get you out of it for five grand. He can get your kids out of destiny for 10 grand. Really, the devil don't have to work more than 10 grand on most Christians. Really. Completely shift your kids from any Christian walk for 10 grand. Oh, and a beach house. Put your beach house up. People are completely out of destiny. I couldn't give a heck about a beach house. I want to know that I did the will of God. I want to know that my children are doing what God has for them. And by the way, God is no man's debtor. He's taken good care of us for a long time. We are blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. But I have to say, Lord, you birthed me. Lord, what did you birth me into? It's into his kingdom. But what's the destiny in Jesus' name? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.